Let's roll. And welcome to podcast number 27 of the Gordon and Sharice show. And these uh, more mini podcasts, these 17, 18 minute podcasts, I think they're going very well. It's, it's a little bit of an adjustment, but I'm excited that we can, we can give people and contribute more content twice a week. I think for you, a shorter time. I think you like these seventeen-minute podcasts because they limit my word count. Okay. Well, you know, somebody has to do that. Yes, so it's. I think it's effective, actually. So, um, and you know what? I'm. I have to say, this has been another week full of twists and unexpected turns. Um, and so we really weren't planning as, as you were mapping out the format of the next podcast that we're doing, this one wasn't in the, in the picture. It wasn't something that you planned, but I think that thank you that we can do this segue from what we did plan to talk about somebody that was very dear to you. And, um, very the, dear. The topic of, of this podcast is when a friend unexpectedly dies. Yes. And so um, I want to enter into this with just saying to you, first of all, that um, I know that, that you're just beginning to grieve this loss. It, it's just hitting you a little bit. And I appreciate that you can bring something very raw and real to our community um, regarding this friend. I think there's a lot of lessons to learn in the situation. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. What would you like to share? Um, a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known him for years. Uh, he passed away through a three-week battle dealing with COVID-19. Hmm. And even though the statistics show in the United States that 99% of people are not going to die because of COVID or SARS-CoV-2, The fact is that there's that small percentage, that unpredictable percentage that has a terrible time trying to cope with Mm COVID-19. And Joe, of all people, a healthy individual. Right. He's five years older than I am, but he's, he was very active an avid golfer. Mm -hmm. In fact, he was the individual that had a lot of time, spent a lot of time with me teaching me the game of golf. So Joe, let me take this back. Joe knew me when I was completely healthy. <laughs> so he knew me pre-surgeries. That was before I even knew you. That's right. Yeah. And he also knew me post-surgeries. Right. He knew me when I was dealing with chronic pain, and he also helped me develop a love for the game of golf. And he was extremely patient with me. So Joe was still golfing in his last days before the three weeks that he was struggling with COVID, from what I understand. That's something. And he was quite a golfer. A very good golfer, scratch golfer. Um, Very smart. Never really, he's self-taught. He's taken lessons here and there. Mm -hmm. But basically, his history with golf is self-taught. He has a mindset for golf. And he had a love and a passion for it like I've never seen. And that's the gift that he shared with me. So did you guys meet through the game itself, through golf? We did. Uh, Joe, years ago, uh, when I was in practice, uh, I'd finished up for the day, and we went ahead and golfed. And that evening, 
Joe dealt with some troubles in his life, Mm -hmm. just like each one of us. In fact, he was the most non-judgmental individual I think I've met. Pretty refreshing. Very refreshing. And he owned up to things. He Mm -hmm. knew when his life was going sideways. Mm -hmm. And he had a way of looking at things and realizing that each one of us has sin and wrongdoings and making different decisions that might not be the best for our lives, taking the wrong path, dealing with family issues, things like that. He understood all of that. He was such a good guy, but he was... When you first met him, he was on a wayward path, wasn't he? He was on a wayward path. Right. And so we had a we had a drink or two. This was oh, 30 years ago or mm-hmm. so. We had a drink or two after we ate dinner, and I brought him to my car, and I had my Bible on the dashboard. And I asked Joe, do you want to start your life over, and would you like to meet Jesus? Hmm. And here's Joe. Good-looking guy, cool guy, mm-hmm. kind guy, you know, well-balanced. Sure. And he looked at me, and he started crying. Mm. Yes, I would. Hmm. But I don't know what that means. So what I did with Joe is Joe offered me a time to disciple him and to love him like a brother in Christ. And he had a big family. He had a big family. And so Joe was living in a bad part of town where there were um, a lot of drug deals and things like that going on. And I said, Joe, by the weekend, I want you to move out of your place Mm -hmm. and you're going to move in with me. And was this when you were still a doctor? Yes, when I was still a doctor. Okay. So he moved in with me and I said, we're going to learn how to pray. We're going to learn how to develop and study the word. We're going to Mm -hmm. learn how to institute new habits into your life. I'm going to love you the best I can in a non-judgmental way. I mean, you you literally took him into your fold. Yes, I did. So he gave you a love for golf and you gave him a love for God. A love for God. What an exchange. Right. And that night that he was sitting in my car, he, he said, Jesus, I don't know if I'm accepting you in my heart, but I'm submitting who I am to you. Mm. And so that was that was a time of great joy because he had a true conversion. So explain what that means. How did that practically play out from what you observed in his life? I saw that. We saw that with our marriage. Mm-hmm. Sharice and I eloped. Uh, just I'm for, Sharice, yes, by the way. I'm right here. Yes, you okay. are. But for the audience <laughs> to understand, we eloped. Yes. And Joe was my best man at the time, mm-hmm. and he was the witness on my side for for our marriage. And what that did for him is he began to develop the spiritual and spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to see and hear the Lord. Mm-hmm. And even in our small wedding ceremony, he sensed the presence of God. Something special happened that day. Very, very special. Yeah. And then Joe... He said that the representation of our marriage gave him the strength mm. to be committed to someone he loved because mm. he knew he was bringing God into the fold. It wasn't just him on all of his previous ambitions and attributes mm-hmm. because he had plenty of girlfriends in plenty of situations. Sure. And so he committed and got married 
and I, I he now has a, a wife who's a widow, and it's twenty plus years. And Joe was <laughs> Joe really lived his life and tried to change and to get rid of the bad habits, but he was also seeking God. And you know what is so special in the story from my perspective? Joe knew you before I did. He knew you as this self-confident doctor. Yes, he did. And um, even though you had all of that self-confidence, you know, you were still seeking God back then. Um, And you still were, um, and you seeked out a friend that didn't have necessarily all of the world's status, but you saw something in him that was a rare treasure. Yes, I did. Like through the game of golf, you probably, you know, I you always teach me this because I don't know a thing about golf except what I know through you. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> but what I do see with golf is that, you know, you learn a lot about somebody's character when they're on the course. That's right. You learn about their integrity. You learn about their honesty. Are they truly counting their strokes? How are they swinging their club? How accountable are they? And because in golf, the the real accountability, I think, is to yourself. Right. And so Joe must have really showed a, a side of his character to you where he was truly honest and laid out that full accountability well, on that, the game. And that's what I loved about Joe. Yeah. Um, Joe was authentic. Right. And if I were giving a tribute, I would be, you know, at his funeral, that's what I would be talking about is his authenticity. I think, I think what touched me the most was not prior when I was healthy knowing Joe. It's after I walked into the world of chronic pain. So he was living with you when you became disabled. Is Cor- that right? Correct. Yeah. And so at the time, Joe still treated me as a friend. mm he didn't look at me as someone who's disabled. He had a lot of compassion when I wasn't feeling well. But when you take a look at relationships and how pain can strain and break our relationships with friends and family, mm-hmm. that didn't happen with Joe. That's what was so unique about him. It, it's an illustration of Joe represented how you want to be treated when you are labeled disabled or going through something so tragic. I think it... I think he did give some type of of uh, direction in that way. Like, this is the kind of friend that I want when life falls apart. Right. And so for people who really want to know, how do I respond to that person, that friend, that family member, that person who has unexpectedly become disabled or their life has changed so much, or maybe even their mental state has changed so much, whatever has happened to be a catalyst to catastrophic suffering in their life, what would you say for that person who needs to know how to be the friend of the disabled? I think the first thing is this that I learned from Joe. He didn't judge me. Mm -hmm. He was going to treat me as Gordon. In fact, he nicknamed me Doc. He would say, hey, Doc. He treated me as an individual, yet he was still compassionate to the fact that I had limitations and I was dealing at, at that time with Joe. I was dealing with severe pain. It was so acute, I'm sure. Yeah, it was severe. So he he had a way of finding the the good things in me mm-hmm. and the good things about God and my level of courage 
and he never pushed me beyond what he thought his healthy level was. Mm. He didn't put his standard on you. He did not put a standard on Mm -hmm. me. He put the standard of, you can do this. It's okay. Look at the step you took. Mm. He had that kind of feedback for me on a personal level. And I didn't realize it. I thought I was helping Joe. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I was helping him through some finances and living in a different place. And when someone's hungry, you feed them. I'm the one who was extremely fortunate mm-hmm. and blessed and to learn new things because Joe and I were together for just a short season of life. And that's what I'm going to miss about Joe. I, I think when you talked earlier, you mentioned, hey, Gordon, you're going to experience the grief from this and you haven't experienced it yet. My initial response when I heard the news two evenings ago, it felt like someone punched me in the gut. Yeah. But my immediate thought was, I can't even fully shed a tear yet because this is one of the situations where I know he had a full conversion. Absolutely. And he is being swept into the glory of God. And so I am so glad and satisfied and and I have so much joy knowing about his beliefs and knowing the direction that he's headed for. And so when you talk about eternity, those are the things that bring me a lot of hope and a lot of joy. Obviously, I haven't spent time with his his wife, who's who's now a widow. I'm sure she's grieving, and I I knew his daughter at the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't reached out to her in two decades, so my heart goes out to them because I know that the grieving sure. is difficult while we still live on this planet Earth. But Joe was special, and I think another ironic thing about what happened is Joe was so strong at social relationships. And it's ironic how he died of COVID-19, which plays havoc virtually on every social interaction and relationship that we're dealing with in society today. Yes. And so, wow, you know, it just gives pause to think about life and death. Yes. It gives pause to think about the fact that we're going to live in the present. And, you know, I'm just so grateful because the memory of Joe in my heart is a treasure. It's a treasure that's going to be made full again. Yes, it is. It's an eternal relationship. And there is such a different feeling when death comes, when you have a brother in Christ. Yes. But the separation is a sting. It hurts. It's not natural. Right. And um, But thank you, Joe, um, for the lessons that you've taught us, both of us, because I met him when we got married um, when we first met, that 21 days between meeting and marriage, Joe was the first person I met with you because he went to that retreat where we met. Yes. And he was a kind man. And um, so I just want to say I I love you so much, and I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that you chose a discipleship path with Joe that led to him being able to show you in exchange the love that helped carry you through to the point where I met you. Yes, very, very very true. To finish up, Mm -hmm. and we're not really going to have a thought of the day, but to finish up, I know that I'm going to connect with Joe again. Yes, you will. And in 2017, he wrote me a text, 
and he thanked me for having the courage to be a brother in Christ mm. to introduce him to Jesus. And he thanked me several times. And then I wrote back to him this. But just as it's written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. That was your final words to him. Those were my final words and how prophetic they are today. They are. So I think our combined thoughts are this. I don't I don't think both either of us experience the death of the sting of death right now. Right. We have a grieving heart because he's gone from this planet, but but we know where he is right now. And we celebrate that. We celebrate it. And so, guys, um, we can all learn from Joe's life. So thank you for tuning in, and we're going to catch you next time. And please also visit our website. Yes. I just want to say it's very beautiful. It's in development, but you're going to find all the resources of these podcasts right there to help continue to encourage you along the way at gordonandcherise.com. Okay. We'll see you next time. Thank you.